0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the shift. Uh, today I've got Ben Scharf, who is the founder at Smart Theme. Uh, he's had a prolific career. He's uh, worked at a company that scaled up to 80 employees in the span of five months uh, in the COVID era. Uh, he's also started his company Smart Theme, uh, bringing uh, essentially a very high performance, high converting, well run uh, front end to your store to your Shopify stores. How's that for an intro? That's
1: great. It was uh, it was eight hundred employees. Oh, eight hundred, not eighty. Oh my God. Okay. I- <laughs> yeah. Eight hundred. That is absolutely not. That's hypergrowth. People talk about hypergrowth. That is hypergrowth. Yeah. yeah, that was the craziest five five months of my life for sure. Uh, that's a whole story in and of itself. But other than that, yeah, everything's good. Yeah. Well,
0: we'll leave that as a follow up. Um, but I wanted to first uh, talk about uh, uh, one thing, and that's when you first got into working remotely. Uh, when was that, what were you doing and what was that like?
1: Yeah, so I think I have a very unique perspective on this topic in the sense that I've actually never worked a day in my life professionally in office. Uh, the extent of my in-office career was internships in college. So I, I was a division one hockey player in school. Uh, so I graduated university, uh, for those who are familiar with how the whole hockey world works. I graduated a few years later than traditional students do, right? I was 24 when I graduated, uh, which happened to be peak COVID 2020. So I had all the intention of going to join a big four consulting firm to do M&A consulting. um, And my senior year got cut short by COVID, which kind of just flipped the world upside down. Uh, So basically, at the end of my at the end of my year, uh, this consulting firm had given all the incoming analysts the option, to defer for a year. uh, Because they didn't know what was going to happen with their own business. So they needed to try and like, buy themselves some time before adding so many additional uh, salaries to their, you know, their balance sheet. And so I always knew I was curious in entrepreneurship. So I took that option of taking a year to just go explore and try different things. Uh, And the first thing that ended up jumping into, I guess I guess that I should take a step back and say, maybe technically it was in office kind of, but it was because we were building a COVID testing business. Mm, okay. uh, and so we had like a team on site trying to figure out how are we going to scale this thing. But it was like, you were in person, but also flying to different states launching new locations. And that was the moment in time where like it scaled 800 employees and 60 million in revenue in five months, but very untraditional uh, compared to anything else I've done professionally. So from that yeah. moment on, had never spent another day in office. So, wait, so, uh, so, so professional. so for me, like remote is all I knew.
0: Yeah, that's that's fascinating because obviously, like your perspective is going to be a lot different than somebody that's spent ten years, twenty years, forty years in an office, and then all of a sudden, remote is something new. Or remote back then, you know, let's say twenty years ago, looks a lot different than it does today. And it's right, it's going to be totally different. Um, when when you're when you're flying around, so you, you what was your like day to day like? Were you in an office and then flying somewhere new and then working at that site and or like were you working from home and then you would fly out like what like what did that even look like
1: yeah so i spent a couple of weeks at the hq in los angeles basically just learning the business model we effectively built a franchise model but it was like an internal franchise model we didn't have like external franchisees but it was the concept of just like rinse and repeat like, here's the playbook on how to launch a new location. Uh, and once I was essentially well-versed from, from that first few weeks on site, I went back to the East Coast and started uh, launching new locations across, across the country. Uh, so I built my own team of 60 people in under two months uh, across four states, and would effectively go to a new place, find a piece of real estate, sign a lease, build an infrastructure, hire a team, train the team, and then leave and move on to the next one And then, you know, once I was managing a ton of locations, at that point, it became more of a managerial role from the top down, making sure my on-site managers at every location had what they needed. Wow. And this was over the span of like five months, you said? Yeah, I I feel like I lived (laughs) five years (laughs) in five months. (laughs) I I don't think I, I think I maybe took maybe took between two and four days off in five months, like including every Saturday, Sunday, because like COVID didn't sleep. So like we couldn't either. Oh
0: my God, that's nuts. Okay. And so you were ironically um, for someone who was working remotely, technically, you were like in a lot of offices because you'd go and you'd set up, but it just, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be your office.
1: I don't even know if I would call it an (laughs) office so much as like a back room of like a COVID site or like a front desk. You know, like there were moments when we were just launching that I had to check in the I had to check in the patients and and manage logistics while simultaneously figuring out how to like grow the business. But it was never like a it was never a formal you walk into this office yeah. every day and here's your desk and here's all the other people that you're going to see every day. Because it was just like it was chaos all the time. I basically just had to learn how to operate in chaos.
0: That, so I, I, I love that for the reason that um Uh, So I've been a digital nomad, as they say, for five and a half years. So I've been to like more than 40 countries. I've been to more than 40 states too. Uh, And I've worked in a million different types of places, cafes, co-working spaces, friends' offices, and like my home, whatever. Um, But I think one of the big things that I've learned from doing this is that you can build a routine that works for you and you can work pretty much anywhere in like any circumstances. And I think a lot of people don't tend to, because like you don't need to adapt to that when you're just going into one office or you're just in your home office every day and it's all the same. But if you are in a chaotic situation, like you mentioned, like you have to figure it out, right? And you did figure it out, and and you made it work.
1: Yeah, I think it was uh, it was actually a very good experience for me in hindsight because as someone who was very structured most of my life as an athlete, mm. uh, you know, going through school, being an athlete, having very little free time, I had to be like very efficient with how I managed my time. Uh, so for me, like there were definitely moments throughout my life when when I felt like things fell off the you know the beaten path as far as my routine it would throw me off a little bit so having this experience where it was like you need to find your routine within chaos which comes with a lot of adaptability uh it's a it's a very good experience to recognize that you you can you know figure out your way through most situations
0: got you yeah and that makes sense and um like all, all of the uh so I, I, I've done a lot of uh, uh, sports and, and things over the years, but, uh, but not like on a structured team. So like, I did a lot of rock climbing when I was in college, but uh, all my friends that were like, competing like athletes through the college programs, they're exactly the same as you said. They're structured, they wake up at like 5 a.m., 6 a.m., they go swim practice, whatever. Um, has, do you think that, that that whole experience of like figuring out how to like adapt and how to work with this, like how is that translated into your management structure and philosophy now today with SmartTheme?
1: Yeah, I think it's I'm a huge proponent of a huge proponent of autonomy. And like the key is being someone who can learn how to learn. So I think that's like a super Mm. valuable skill set is like I don't necessarily expect you to know everything on day one, but it's about being a problem solver and being savvy enough to find the resources or ask the right questions to get you to your answer, Um, because I always I I think that like as you evolve in your own career and especially when you're trying to build a company like very often you come up with new problems. You face new problems every single day. Yeah. So like you have to get out of this mindset of being like a robot where you're doing the same thing all the time because no two no two calls are the same. No two problems are the same. And so you just have to be able to adapt and be savvy in that sense. Yeah.
0: How does that factor into how you onboard new employees? Like does that, uh, does, is that part of like your your training, your process or, you know, like how do you get somebody integrated into that kind of mindset or do you just hire for that kind of fit? Like out, out of the gate.
1: I think, I think above all, I think above all else we do, we do screen for that when hiring, Um, with that being said, there are very particular roles that do require a very particular skill set. And so I think there's levels to that in terms of like, how much you try to, to push the boundaries there. But I will say, uh, as you know, founders who prefer to operate with a very lean team, we always say that, like, we, we can't have people on the team right now that are just coming up with ideas like we need executors. Yes. So like when you're expected to, when you're expected to, to oversee some aspect of the business, like I can do my best to, to tell you what I think it's going to be like, but there's always going to be things that come up that I've never seen before. And that, you know, you might not have the answer, so it's fine, you know, lean on someone else on the team, but I just trust that you have the proactivity to take the initiative to figure out what needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I, um, you know, I was just talking to somebody the other day, um, about, about literally this, um, it's, uh, acquaintance of mine that owns uh, an outsourcing company. And we're talking about global hiring and, and hiring strategy, and um, in particular differences in culture sometimes between people who take initiative and don't take initiative. And so like one of the challenges that people face today, if you build a, a global team and you're hiring in different countries is those differences in culture. Cause sometimes people will grow up and they'll just be more used to, you know, trying to figure stuff out. I think it's a very American mindset, which is fantastic. Which I love as an as American, I'm like, yes, that's the thing about America. I stand behind, it's amazing. Um, and but not everybody has that, even within the states, and, and some countries it's just not as pervasive, um, and so it's a challenge when you build a team sometimes to to overcome and like figure out how to deal with that. Um, but uh, yeah, it sounds like you've got a good system, like you're kind of making it work, and especially as a startup, obviously you need to you need to definitely have that. It's, it's otherwise you're not going to make it.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah, I mean we're uh, we now have employees across five countries. Uh, to be honest with you, we're fully agnostic about location time zone. Like I'm I'm hyper focused on hiring the best person for the role. Yes. Because I always joke that like, as founders, what is the time zone like I'm available all the time for better or for worse. Uh, it's more the only caveat is like, understanding that there's very specific hours of the day that we can do like interaction with certain team members. So as an example, my technical co founder like he his non negotiable is that he won't get on a meeting anything external until 1 p.m. because a lot of our engineers are uh, on time zones that are hours ahead of us over here on East Coast. So like his morning is their afternoon. So he needs to be available all morning to service whatever they might need.
0: Yeah. How How do you think about time zones across the team? Is it like everybody's individual choice or like by team or by manager or like how does that structure out?
1: Yeah, I would say that like the most important piece is trying to keep it relatively consistent by team. team. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So like, so like our product and engineering team, we try to keep them within like specific hours of each other. Uh, it really comes down to the people that you're interacting with the most. Mm, yeah, right. So like, as as, uh, as one of the co founders that isn't responsible for it's a mute point for our founders, because we're all on East Coast. But like everyone we have in the product and engineering division, we try to keep them within a specific time zone threshold. And then like on the marketing and sales side, the same. Uh, the only challenge, of course, is when you try to do like an all hands meeting, like you, yeah. someone, someone on the call is going to be unhappy because they had to wake up at six, seven o'clock or they had to be on the call at eight, nine o'clock. Like it's just inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. In the evening. Yeah.
0: Do you, do you rotate who has to uh, take the short end of the stick on that one? Or is it always like... <laughs>
1: Um, we don't, because the way that our team is structured, uh, there's a large minority who, who get the short end of the stick. So unfortunately, oh, like tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, so make sure that most people can. But as an example, them. as yeah. an example, like today, like as an example, though, like yesterday, they had a very long day with like just uh, a client thing they were dealing with. And so they weren't on our all hands this morning because it was extremely early. And like, that's okay. So I think like one of the one of the trade offs is just having a lot more flexibility and empathy with like your employees, um, and not having like this hard line rule if someone could make a call for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that makes a ton of sense. And like, um, so so my business, um, I, I used to own a marketing agency a while back, and we had people in
1: like similarly,
0: and I don't remember how many countries, but it was like spread out all across the world, and we basically would try to coordinate and figure stuff out, and uh, I found that uh having overlap was the best thing so what we actually did was we set the same hours for everybody globally so we said you have to work most most of our clients are in the u.s you have to work u.s hours even if you're in asia even if you're in europe and like for us that worked but the main reason was just a high degree of collaboration and communication we needed because it was very creative work so internally we had to collaborate to figure out solutions and then with clients we had to talk to them and, and work with them so it was very difficult to do that without enough overlap. But the main lesson that I learned from that is that the context that your team is operating in and what they need to communicate really drives what you need in terms of like your time commitments and how you work with each other. So like to your point, like different teams could have different needs. And like if you're on sales, you gotta be at the time zones your clients are. You gotta talk to them. Like that's that's pretty much it. But if you're doing something else that's maybe not external, you got more flexibility. So I tend to think of things a little bit like that. It sounds like that's kind of how you've been going in terms of direction.
1: Yeah, and I think the other piece to it that isn't talked about enough is how valuable in a weird way, it's been extremely valuable for us because it's taught us how to operate with minimal meeting time. Mm. Like you hear all these people talk about like how meetings are so inefficient. Yeah, like you have these companies who just have meetings that to talk about meetings. Yeah. And like for us, we stripped our meeting schedule to zero and built it back up. And you realize that like, there's a lot of scenarios where we can have certain meetings because of time zone stuff. But because of that, it has made our team so much more effective operating asynchronously. And thus, I think our nice. team is way more efficient on like a per person basis because we don't force them to sit on four hours of calls a day.
0: Nice. What? what did? You, wait a second, the stripping the meetings down. I want to, I want to unpack that a little bit. That's very fascinating. So I'm guessing you hit like some kind of a, a point where you're like, wait a second. Our meetings are out of control. We got to do something. Is that, is that basically what happened?
1: yeah i think i started i don't remember who the first person was that did it i feel like it might have been shopify but another business someone built a plugin where you could put like a number on your your calendar invite and it actually calculates the amount of money that the meeting costs based on the hourly rate of each employee on the call yeah, yeah and so you you could like actually quantify how much money was being spent or lost by forcing all these people on the call and then I know Elon Musk also has something about it where it's like, if you can't contribute to the meeting, then leave, like, don't just sit there because you're on it. And so after like hearing a few of these things and reading about it, I just became so hyper obsessed with it. And so I just started looking at our calendar. And I'm like, if I delete this meeting off the calendar, is it going to ruin the business? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the answer was no. So it was a like, great delete. Uh, and at this point in time, we now have we have one product meeting a week. Yeah. We have one all hands meeting a week we have one marketing meeting a week and we have one leadership meeting a week. Nice. And that's it. But that's, that's like, that's a surface level mandatory. And then of course you have things that get added on ad hoc, but like as a baseline, only four meetings is way less than your average company. I think. Yeah, that's, that's that's not bad. And, And obviously, um, uh, it'll probably depend on
0: the team a little bit, too, because, like, I'm sure you have, like, you you need to have oversight into all these different areas. So that might be a little bit different compared to someone else. But um, OK, yeah, I like that. And so when you when you deleted those meetings and added them back, like, did you run into any operational implications? Like, oh, wait a second, if we don't have this meeting, we need to do this other thing or like we need this structure, we need this process or or did it kind of naturally resolve itself out? Like what what happened when you covered of those meetings?
1: I think I think one of the big issues is when you're when you're like a founder of a business and you're moving at a million miles a minute, it's very hard sometimes to take a step back and think about things that are very simple that you just lose sight of. Mm. Like you're so distracted and so busy by so much that very rarely am I like, Wait a minute, how can I just like make a couple incremental optimizations here to just like help our team in the long run? And like meetings was an example. The way that I looked at it was like, Okay, I'm gonna delete a couple of meetings off the calendar. It's not going to be a secret, like I'm going to tell people we're doing it. And then if you see any sort of strains, you can just put them back on the calendar. Mm-hmm. I think the more important part is the fact that you go through the exercise of actually analyzing the way you guys are operating to, to confirm after, you know, X amount of time as the business has evolved, is this meeting still relevant or not?
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And then uh, also, if I imagine for you as a leader, that's you giving the tools to your team to then figure out what to do with that information. And they say, actually, it's not relevant, but there is this something that we need to figure out. Oh, do that. You know, this is now uh, lives here. Or like, wait a second, this is this is important, but why? And then all of a sudden, you know, things happen and, and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, I think the difference is when you're in person, people get, you know, let's jump into a boardroom quickly. Let's, you know, yeah. go whiteboard. But like, when you have meetings on the calendar, it very much can disrupt your flow as like someone operating, Mm. where it's like, I got to stop every 30 minutes, or like, they have this meeting on my calendar, but I have to get this done by this time. Uh, Like one of the one of the things that we also are very good about is uh, we try to limit uh, leadership communication cross functionally as much as possible.
0: Mm.
1: So and what I mean by that is like, I don't want uh my like sales lead to be like annoying my engineers and my product people like if you need something go through their 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 head and let them decide where on the priority list the thing you need is going to fall got you and i'd imagine cuz as someone has someone who's higher up like if i'm if i paying like a lead engineer like he's going to respond to me just out of pure you know seniority and respect mm-hmm. but as far as like was that the best thing to do for the business probably not because he was probably working on something that like my you know co-founder who manages his team really needed by a certain time and now i've distracted him by bothering him
0: yeah yeah that makes it a, t- a ton of sense and especially in a remote context where like if you're physically together you kind of see that person you're like oh they look busy <laughs> you know or or someone's like oh yeah exactly they're working on this thing but when you're remote you don't necessarily know so you can send this you can send a slack or a team's message you can do you know a whatsapp or a text whatever like you can just ping them and then they, they feel the need to respond but that's to your point. That's very much a responsibility uh, uh, when you're in a leadership role because, yeah, people will respond if you have authority. But should they respond is a very good question because maybe that's not always the case, which is a great point.
1: Exactly. Yeah,
0: I, I used to do this thing. Um, uh, I used to do this. I still do this thing. Um, I, I always keep a running note for the week. So, like, I use used to use Evernote, now I use Obsidian, and I'll have like notes for the week. And as I have meetings and conversations, I'll add notes to it uh, digitally. But I built this thing in the top of my note document. I just called it like my agenda space. And so what I would do is anytime something came up that I need to talk to somebody about, unless it was really, really urgent, I would just put their name and I would add that item there. And then by the end of the week, I'd have like 20 things that I need to talk to like six people about. And then the next week and on Sunday, I'd look at that and I'd say, all right, what is the most appropriate time to bring this up? And some of it would be like team meetings and some of it would be like one on one and a thing like that, but I, I use that as a, as a structure because uh, remote that works very well for me, and then I could put in the right things in the right places without bothering people.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to to make sure that when people try to put systems like that in place, they actually stick to it. So I think like so many people in theory want to do things like that, but they don't have the discipline. Mm to to stick to it because people are stuck in their old habits yeah how how do you uh so i commend you i commend you if you're you're able to like stay consistent with that
0: yeah well I, i try to build it into like my personal operating system so like i i use that to and but i find value in that because uh someone taught me that to use take notes and like do this stuff a long time ago and now i realize oh if i do that i get this out of my brain so my brain has more space to think about other things and so and then over time i've just Reinforce that again and again and again, um, but uh, like, how do you think about that with your team, though? So, like, getting that discipline and like taking on those habits, and I'm sure this has come up, like, new hires or like, and people's circumstances change. Like, how do you think about getting those kinds of things to your team and like that kind of discipline?
1: I think a lot of it starts with just like the culture that you're trying to establish within the business, right? Like for us, uh, it's definitely a culture of communication and autonomy. Uh, I think like my my philosophy is when you hire someone, like put your full trust into them until they don't deserve it anymore. Uh, Right. So like you, we don't have time to to like doubt people or hold people back. Like it's kind of like supporting them to jump in and really try and figure their way through things and support them. And then you have to be quick to evaluate if it's working or not. I think as it relates to the concept of like guardrails around communication style, I think leading by example is the best way to Mm -hmm. do it. Right. So like you, you understand how I'm communicating with you and then you kind of figure out what's appropriate from a reciprocity perspective. I think the other thing too, you know, we use Slack and I always say that like Slack is just a hallway full of noise. Um, but we are very disciplined about, uh, using channels within Slack for very hyper-specific things. Oh, nice. Like across teams or like, uh, you, you give an example of that. Like okay, yeah. Across say? the whole company. Like, is it it, do we have a new client onboarding? Do we have a uh, do we have a channel about like bugs that clients are dealing with? Do we have a channel about uh, payroll? Do we have a, you know, a channel about marketing a channel about products? So, you know, instead of starting all these sub conversations, mm-hmm. like y- you put the notification in a in a place that's very specific to something. So naturally, like myself and my co founders, we know like, which channels are way more urgent. Like every time every time I get a notification in my leadership chat, like regardless of what I'm doing, like, I'll click on it. Yeah, And if it's not urgent in that moment, like I'll just click on red and go back to it later. But there's other channels that like, you know, product feature ideas. Like if someone's putting something in there, I'm not like dropping everything I'm doing to go see what the new feature idea is right now. Like that's something that I'll do, you know, at the end of my day when I've gone through all my to-do list. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So like the channel itself is the filter essentially when you see that.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I like that a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Slack and, um, when I'm, working with, uh, in businesses where I'm working with clients, usually the way that we'll organize Slack is like a client gets a channel for this exact same reason. Like that, everything know, you need to know in context for that specific project is in that channel. So yeah. And I I, I kind of know what's important client-wise. So I see them, that client's important. So I jump in. So yeah, yeah I've, I've done very similar thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So that's awesome. Um, I want to switch gears and actually talk about um, uh, your onsite, uh, or I should say your on-site, off-site, uh, <laughs> which as a as a remote company, I've started calling them on-sites as opposed to the you know the off-site. You're in the office and you leave the office. To, um, yeah, yeah. So you guys did uh, an off-site on-site recently, and
1: uh, yeah, can you tell us uh, a bit about that and and how that came about and how that went? Yeah, so that was actually the first time since inception of the business that like the core t- team members met in person, face to face. Um, so we had, we had a handful of team members dispersed across multiple countries that were there and, uh, an offsite is something that we always wanted to do, but we were like very particular around like timing it in a way that made a ton of sense. And the catalyst for this one actually is that one of our, our lead engineer who is typically based in South Africa, uh, was traveling to the States for a few weeks with his, um, with his wife just to travel. Hmm. And so we decided to like cater the trip around his date since it was just a team of six of us that were meeting in person. Uh, so it was much easier for us. The hardest one to coordinate was the one, you know, one of the individuals from across the world. Yeah. And because he was already going to be there, it was much easier to coordinate schedules of other people who are domestic. Um, and so really, like the timing was a function of convenience and just logic. But uh, the offsite was something that was very top of mind for a while. About wanting yeah. to actually bring to life. Yeah,
0: yeah. I um. So uh, man, there's, there's a bunch of things with this, but um. So I in uh, previous businesses have done that with the remote teams. We've done like offsites. We got everybody together, and we did two times because we had everyone distributed over different countries. We went to Mexico. We went to Cabo, and we did. We got a giant villa and we put everyone in the villa, and then we went to Colombia, um, and we did the same thing. We just got a big villa and put everyone there. Um, I learned uh, uh two things immediately. One. How tall everybody was, which I'm sure you probably had the same thing. You're like, oh, oh my God, you're actually, uh, like, yeah, wow, you're this, yes. this tall, you're this short. And then two, uh, two weeks is way too long to do that because we put everybody in the house for two weeks. And then by the end of like the first week, I was like, oh, I've committed to being
1: <laughs> with all of you guys for two two whole weeks. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we did. We did like we did four. We did like three and a half days.
0: Yeah, that three and a half days is great. Two weeks is is. I'll be the first to say is maybe a little bit too much. One week was okay. but
1: Yeah, thinking thinking about that, gives me anxiety. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, it was very fun, though. It was very fun, but I was exhausted by the end of it, especially as a leader in the company. I, was like, right, I have to set a, a very good example for everybody else. And... That is exhausting to do every day uh, for so long, twenty uh, four seven because we're all living together. Um, but uh, yeah, so so on on your offsite, so uh, I mean, how did it go? Like, it was successful. Like, it sounded like it, it was completely worth it, and, and like you got what
1: you wanted out of it. Is that fair fair to say? Yeah, it was it was amazing. I think for us going into it, um, we definitely had like a, a list of business specific items that we wanted to cover. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I would say that, like, above all else, like the team bonding was the most important thing for me. Like, I, I knew coming out of it that, like, we needed to get through some very important items. But beyond that, like, I wanted people to walk away from it feeling like much more like a team, because you can actually put a name to a face and shake someone's hand in person. Uh, And I think like watching our team members from different countries, interact with each other was something really special for us as founders, like to be able to bring them together, put them in the same room. And I know that they're like talking on Slack and Zoom all the time, but now for the first time, you know, they could go out and do things together as friends beyond just colleagues was like a very cool thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. And it's like that feeling where everybody knows each other because you've been talking every day for, you know, for so long, but but, but you never had that actual face-to-face connection yet, and I, I think this is a, a, a misconception with remote teams that people have. Because everyone, I think, kind of gets the idea: you're remote, you do an offsite, you get together, sure. But like, just because you're a remote team doesn't mean that you are never going to see each other. Like, that's absolutely not the case, and the time together is super valuable. Like, for exactly that reason, you team bonding and you get to meet each other, and like something that I think happens is that. When you only have a limited time together, you treat it with a lot more value than when you're in together every day and then you do an offset because you're like, wow, we only have these three and a half days. So you put everything into it and then you get a lot more out of it. That's, that's my opinion on this. I think it tends to be true.
1: Yeah. I mean, I days. think like an analogy that I think about uh, not to keep referencing Elon Musk, but he has a quote where it's like, if you try to accomplish your five year plan in one year, you're probably not going to accomplish it. But you're going to get a hell of a lot further than if you try to accomplish your one year plan in one year. So I think it's like having a le- level of urgency, knowing the amount of time you have. It just like forces you to be way more efficient and like way more hyper focused because you don't take for granted the time you spend together because you know you only have like you know hours or days, not like every day for years.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, at least until the next one, I imagine there's probably going to be another one.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there there definitely
0: definitely will be. Awesome, awesome. Um, so. Uh, I guess that's all kind of like the nice and rosy stuff, but were there any difficulties or like any unexpected challenges or things that came up?
1: Um, I, I honestly like it, it really did go exactly as I was hoping for it to. I know it just sounds like a cop out answer, but like, I, I don't really think, I think maybe like there was a little bit of a challenge initially to like for people to focus because they were just like so excited to be together in person and like laugh and joke about things. Um, but I really feel like I ha- I set very realistic expectations for what I wanted out of it mm. and was like very easy going about it in the sense that I was really, uh, I was really keen on it being like a bonding experience above all else. So that like if we came away from it with like minimal like progress from a business perspective that I could live with that and like, know that the the improvement in the relationships amongst my employees in the long run will re- result in substantially more output than like bringing them all together and just like making them work 12 hours for three days straight and then sending them home
0: yeah yeah which I think there's a couple of lessons in here like the one is that it went according to plan it worked out great like so if you're a, a team especially a remote team and you're thinking about doing something like this but it might seem like oh what are the implications what are like you know the risks what could I-? like no, just do it. It's worth it. It's completely worth it. And it, it tends to work out. Um, yeah, even depending on whatever country you're in, like you can do this in anywhere in the world, uh, as long as you properly measure the risks. Um, and the, yeah, and, and then on the other side, um, I mean, you mentioned going in with very good expectations and, and being intentional about how you spend your time. I think that's critical. Um, and of course, when there's that magnitude of oh, this is the first time we're together. Like, of course you're gonna put in the effort and, and make that happen because uh, uh, you, you know it's so it's so uh, uh, monumental in the development of the company. So yeah, I think that's definitely an important takeaway for, uh, for anybody that's trying to do something like that. Um, I wanna switch gears uh, again, talk a little bit about a couple of other things. I'll hit you with the rapid fire questions. So uh, just tell me some quick, quick, quick responses and uh, uh, we'll, we'll see where we can take this. So first things first, uh, technology software uh things you're using uh what's running the business uh give us give me what the the boom 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 notion asana slack google drive nice and uh what about uh for video video calls and like meetings
1: uh you know it's pretty funny we for whatever reason sometimes we're on zoom and sometimes we're on google meet i don't really have a rhyme or reason for it uh yeah, we've we've kind of flipped between the two, and I don't know why. Okay,
0: cool. All right, fair enough. Uh, and then when you're building out, I have a couple of specific questions around this, too. So, like, when you're uh, uh, building out, like, processes or any kind of, like, internal structure operations, is that all going to Notion. Notion is the repository for that.
1: Yeah, all our SOPs live all in Notion. Nice, nice. I think that's
0: one of the modern ways to build a company is building out something like that. Um, and then I'm sure you probably use, like, a password manager or something to structure all of your access.
1: Uh, it's actually, I not even, I don't even know uh, so much as password manager so much as it's just, uh, permissions around like different people within the team. Oh, just
0: direct to their, to their emails or, or what have you.
1: Yeah. Cause we're not, we're not really large enough yet where it's, it makes that much, it doesn't, I think it adds a layer of complexity at this point. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, uh, what about anything around like, uh, security or anything like that is that mostly handled just like making sure that people have the right practices themselves or is there any tools or tech or anything?
1: We haven't really used any tools or tech as far as security. Um, Yeah, I mean, I kind of the way that I think about it is just like trusting in the security of the tools that we actually use. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I think like at this point in time, to the extent of there being risk is really just like someone acting with ill intent against the business itself, which like I don't really know if there's any sort of security measure that can prevent that if they're they're really that malicious gotcha gotcha gotcha
0: and then uh not just on the software side but the hardware side uh i know sometimes this can be a bit tricky like if you're going to get devices to people you have what's your device policy bring your own device or do you try to buy people devices and send it to them like how do you handle that
1: yeah so to be honest with you our first couple employees was on their were on their own devices our first couple contractors and then like when we started hiring uh, w2s is when we, we started to have our own device policy so it was really just like do you, we we give them the option if they want a mac or pc yeah uh, but yeah I mean we yeah we do we do off we do supply devices at this point yeah in time. Do, do you buy them in one place and then ship
0: them or do you have them purchase
1: locally uh we we've typically had them purchased locally yeah uh, it really depends on the situation I think like Domestic versus international is kind of one of the, the questions that needs to be answered that uh, may helps make the decision. Yeah, you know. I think it's relative to like, what device do you want? Where do you live? What's the cost analysis of buying it there versus here and shipping yeah, it?
0: Yeah, it makes sense. We did similar things in the past. Um, and then uh, compliance. So obviously, you want to make sure that you're above board. Legally speaking, compliance-wise, that you use like an EOR, do you have local entities, probably an EOR, right? Something like that
1: yeah and then i'm like a one man i'm a one man hr team (laughs) (laughs) nice nice on top of everything else (laughs) yeah it's uh i mean look i think there this is like the things you're alluding to right now around like security and compliance that's like one of the beauties of running a small lean team like it's very different than when i was working at you know the GoPuffs of the world that had thousands like hundreds thousands of employees where it's like you have to log in all sorts of systems yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know you have all these tracking mechanisms and like it's just not it's something that i think just slows down the business at this stage we're at in terms of number of people yeah uh that i i try to i i take my you know i'm, I'm very cautious and i do my diligence but i try to like minimize process where it's not needed Yeah. I think over-processing is like a huge issue for early-stage companies. Yeah, yeah,
0: fair enough. Which is a good point because one of the things that, um, uh, that that I like to talk about in terms of like the infrastructure you need to be remote is that that's different at different levels of scale. So, like exactly to your point, if you're a lean team and you need to move fast, your infrastructure and your tech and your tools probably look different than if you're a lot larger and you need other things in terms of your day-to-day and like what you actually want to handle in the business. So that's that's a great point. Um, other than that. Uh, financials uh have you noticed any benefits any detriments any hidden costs with being remote versus i mean you never had an office but like is there anything that you've looked at and you're like oh man that would be that's a little bit expensive or you know we don't want to pay for that or oh i'm glad i don't have to pay for this not paying for an office i'm sure but like other things
1: it's actually it's actually so it's actually so funny you say that because one of our co-founders was paying for a wework uh, and me and the, the third co-founder were like, that's too expensive. We're going to nix that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's like, there's just no need to be paying what you're paying for. We work right now. Yeah. Uh, which is hilarious because like some people like to leave their house and go, you know, go do things, uh, like be out of the house, but we're like, go to a coffee shop or go somewhere else. Um, but no, I think we're, we're extremely diligent about managing our, our exp like our finances. We were actually we bootstrapped to profitability before raising any money. Oh, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize uh, that. That's fantastic. Okay, yeah. Which to do to do as a SaaS company is pretty unheard of. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Like we started as an agency. We started as an agency to self fund the software. At which point we sunsetted the agency. Uh, so I say that because like every dollar we was spe- we were spending was like our own money. Yeah, yeah. So of course, you're gonna keep an eye on your. So you when, when it's your own money versus investor money like you you tend to treat it a little bit differently, which I don't think is a good thing. I just think it's a psychology thing where oftentimes you have founders who raise a lot of money who just think it's okay to start throwing money at problems. But if it was their own money, they probably wouldn't behave the same way. Yeah,
0: fair enough. I mean, I'm sure that's. I'm sure investors love to hear that uh, as well. Say, oh yes, absolutely. This is a business that we want. Um, yeah, that's that's totally it. And I think one of the things that like I like to talk about a lot with remote is like, remote it gives you more flexibility for your employees. Sure, for lifestyle, but it gives you more financial flexibility because you can pay for stuff or you can elect to be more lean in things like paying for WeWork or coworking spaces, or like if you want an office, you can pay for it, or you can not pay for it. But that's an advantage a remote team has. If you need an office, you don't have that option. So that puts you into a fixed cost structure that is just, you know, you don't even have that flexibility. Um, And yeah, and to your point, you know, you can hire people in the places that make sense. You can hire the types of people, wherever there's talent at the right price for the right value, for the right skills. And you can build out your infrastructure in in, in a global way. that's the benefit of this. It's a modern company, basically. Like if you were building in a small town 50 years ago, you didn't have this option. You'd have to do things by the books in a certain way. And so, yeah, so I, that's, that's fantastic to hear. Um, last, last thing, uh, any uh, critical skills you think anybody who's a remote leader, founder, CEO, and someone like that should know?
1: Yeah, I think uh, being an effective communicator is very important you have to be very, you have to be very concise, and you need to be thoughtful about how you're communicating. uh, Because when you're communicating something, and then hitting end on a zoom call, it's very different than when you're like walking in and out of a room, and you could just go back and you know, talk for two more seconds. Uh, I think that for us, it's it's very important to be very clear, very level headed with like how we communicate with our employees and very intentional about how we manage their time. uh, Because you don't have the like spontaneous hallway conversations around building rapport and as a means to like communicate about things. And so I think that effective communication is more important than ever. Uh, And then I think the other, the other piece that I'll say is like it's forced us to be a lot more efficient in terms of asynchronous work. Like I think now more than ever, you have to be able to like be clear when you're, you're talking about something you need done from someone. um, When like, trying to complete an entire task with no communication takes a lot of skill and a lot of like a lot of reps, but it's really, it's a beautiful thing when you see your team members following effective SOPs and actually getting things done and you mm-hmm. realize that like the communication styles work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And it's like when you like that moment, the moment that that hit for me, was the first time that like we, this is a while ago, but like the first time that we signed a customer where like I didn't have to touch any part of the onboarding process. It was like the last time I spoke to them was, closing the deal and then I saw their new store alive and I and the whole thing just like worked and I was like wow this that was awesome that's a
0: beautiful thing you're like oh the system worked yeah. yeah that's nice yeah yeah that's it and and I think it's um uh like you know large companies have to do this to coordinate between office locations in a traditional sense when you're remote you have no choice again so like you have to do that that's the only way that you're gonna you're gonna uh, get business done is to build out your processes like that so um great point exactly. and uh man been a wonderful guest really enjoyed our conversation uh but i'll let you go no uh we still have a bit of time left in the workday here uh last last thing any pluggables you want to plug obviously probably check out smart theme uh check your guys website anything else you want the people to know
1: yeah i think you can check us out on SmartTheme.com. uh i don't know when this episode is going live but we actually are going to be releasing a rebrand uh new name new website in the coming months so Some exciting stuff in the pipeline there. And then uh, you can check me out on Twitter at Ben Sharf.
0: Awesome. Well, people got to know. And this episode will be live very soon after recording. We have a fast turnaround getting stuff out around here. So,
1: yeah, Ben, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Appreciate it. Have a good one.